The following program contains material that may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Corn on the Macabre. I'm Katie Adkins. I'm Kelly Ree. And uh, don't do drugs because they're bad for you and stuff. Yeah. And you might have like yeah. bad trips that'll scar you <laughs> for life. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> um, so did anything inspire you to pick this topic? I think I was – okay, so I started listening to this podcast. It's called This Is Actually Happening, and oh. it's kind of like radio rental, except it's just, uh, I don't know, experiences. Some are traumatic and some are uh, just interesting. There was one where this guy, you know, got really heavy into drugs, and he always swore that there was, like, something in the background that he could just almost see and couldn't. You know, but it was like a really trippy story about how he wanted to take more and more drugs so he could find out what the thing was that was always in his peripheral that he could never see. So I think that probably just kind of triggered it. (laughs) Sounds like he had a lot more issues than doing drugs. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, you could say. He bounces back and forth between like, it was super enlightening and it was horrifying and destroyed my life. So... Jesus. It, it definitely has aspects. Woof. Yeah, I personally, when the first thing you, when you said, like, let's do bad drug trip stories, I was like, oh my God, this is going to get so dark so fast, which is fine. Because, like, we literally, <laughs> we literally talk about murder and yet somehow I'm like, oh, but drugs are sad. Like, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Well, I, I picked something a little upbeat to counteract it. So. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how do I make this not the most depressing episode? Like, I don't want to do, like, a repeat like I did with the vampires episode where I went too dark too fast. Or the cult one. I picked yeah. some really dark stuff for those episodes. Yeah, those got real dark. Yeah, in my mind, that was I, interesting. In my mind, I was going for shock factor at the time, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, I mean, shocking. And I'm like, maybe I should have like picked something that's a little more like funny and easier to. I don't know. I mean, whatever. It happened, and you guys can go back and listen to those episodes if you want. Um, but yeah, I definitely tried to keep it more lighthearted for this one so all of the drugs and stuff like stories that I'm going to talk about are more like psychedelic stuff and less like heroin and meth yeah you know I just I feel like there's just no way to bring up meth without it being like the saddest story ever oh oh yeah no I definitely that was one that I was just like I'm not gonna touch that I guess I, I was always thinking like shrooms lsd like all the stuff that can either go really, really well or horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, like I have some friends, like I had some friends in college who swore by psychedelics and then I had some friends who were like, I will never touch it, like never again kind of a thing. I I still know some people like that. So, I mean, it's never, it's always been something I was curious about, but honestly, I was always too horrified about having a bad trip to try it. Except there was a time in college I got invited to this party. It was like my first, it had to be, it was like within my first month of being in college. And so I got invited to this big party, went out there and it was fucking crazy. It was like sectioned off. So it was like this giant piece of property that was mostly just, you know, land and it was quartered off. So there were four different parts of this party with four different kinds of music happening so you had like a country section and an EDM section and a pop music and like rap music. And you could just kind of walk around and get whatever you wanted out of it. There were just DJs all over the place. 
it was really cool. And the person I was with, it was somebody that I had really just met. We were both, um, we were both freshmen. <laughs> anyway, we're, I'm hanging out with him and a couple of his buddies come over and they say that they got some X. And he's just like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, you should do it. Just go ahead. It's fine. This is like the perfect place for it. It's cool. And he was like, well, what if you did it with me? And I was like, all right, sure. So we split this X. As luck would have it, I think probably like 10, 15 minutes later, the cops show up to break up this party. (laughs) Right after you took it? Yes. Yeah, dude, I barely got a chance to really enjoy this party before that shit happened. And uh, so we're like, okay, well, we should probably get out of here. And one of the people we were hanging out with was like, well, my apartment is walking distance. We shouldn't drive. And we're like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. We're walking to this total stranger's house uh, with a person I really have just met. And as we're walking, I'm starting to feel like a little happy. I guess I, I really didn't put much to it I was just like oh I'm I'm having a good time I'm in a good mood and then by the time we reached the apartment we opened the door and I think I like rested on the wall or something and then I just started touching and I was like oh my god your walls are so soft and so there's like four of us (laughs) lined up against this wall just petting it (laughs) because it was the softest thing and then we were just like oh wonder what a bed would feel like and so we just went and sat down on this bed and it was like the most cushioned thing ever and we proceeded to have this intense heart-to-heart conversation between four total strangers where one of them like just starts crying and he's like I'm just so glad I have friends like you and we're just having these deep conversations I have never seen them again in my entire fucking life but <laughs> there's always people like that at parties where you're like, you're my new best friend. And then you like never yeah. see them ever again. Mm-hmm. That has definitely I mean, happened to me at parties where I'm just like, oh my God, we spent the whole night talking. Never seen them again. <laughs> yeah, That was a new one for me, but it was just like, it was just because of the ex. And so it, I would honestly, I'd say it was a really good experience for me personally. I know that's not how it is all the time, but uh, yeah. That's the story I have with it. <laughs> so yeah, I tried. Um, yeah, I tried um, Molly one time or ecstasy or whatever the hell you want to call it. I, it was not a great experience for me. Unfortunately, every time I had tried like any drug, it was literally due to I was around people who like kind of pressured it onto me, <laughs> oh, yeah, or weird. talked me into it or convinced me and like poked and prodded at my curiosity sort of a deal. I mean, at the end of the day, it still was, like, my choice. So I can't blame other people for anything that happened to me. Um, Unless it was, like, unwillingly and drugged, because I was roofied one time. And that's also – that's weirdly a funny story for some reason. uh, And I can explain that later. (laughs) But the one time I did try uh, ecstasy, I learned that, you know, sometimes you try a drug and it is cut with something – else the thing is is that you never know what's really like in those things right like you can Mm -hmm. trust people but you'll never truly know and sometimes it's cut with meth or cocaine or whatever and I could tell it was Adderall because of how it made me act yeah I just felt like I was in like middle school again or like like when I just felt exactly how I felt when I would take Adderall except it was heightened in a really weird sensational way because uh, Adderall is a methamphetamine and so I focused on two blinking lights for two hours. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I couldn't hear like anything anyone said to me and I had no desire to look or talk to anyone or move at all or touch anything or do anything which is apparently very much not how that drug is supposed to cause you to react Um, yeah (laughs) yeah and it was I just remember the whole situation like the whole like night I just kept waiting for it to be over I was like I just want this to be over because I'm just over it and like don't care and like whatever uh but yeah that was my experience with that and it was not a good experience it was a very bad experience I did not have fun it was not a good time it was just really boring and I didn't enjoy it and I just wanted to go to sleep when I just couldn't go to sleep I think it's because I'm so in my head all the time that, like, drugs are, like, not for me. Because I also tried um, acid in college once, and that was a horrific... Oh, really? That was a horrific time. It was really, really, really bad. Like, I I wish I had never done it bad. Like, drugs are not for me. I was living with a girl who was, like, very much a hippie, very into drug culture, very, like, yay, love and peace, man. And she had only ever had positive experiences with drugs and so she like encouraged me that like it wouldn't be that big of a deal and it'd just be like the one time and it'd be fine and whatever because it is like it's it's a non-addicted like you don't get addicted to lsd right like Mm -hmm. i mean i guess you could get addicted to the feeling like you could get addicted to chocolate or something but it's not like meth or heroin or cocaine where it's like highly highly addictive right there was a point in time when i thought days had passed i thought i fell asleep and woke up a week later when it had been an hour and I was never asleep <laughs> it was oh boy it was really wild because it, it was just insane and it was another one of those things where it got to a point where when I finally got a hold of myself and what was happening I like just hyper stared at my clock on my phone just to wait for time to pass for it to be over because there was no one there to babysit me my friend who was going to like help out just fell asleep and oh, I wasn't boy. about to be rude Sleep. and wake her up oh, dealing with this for the first time yeah I wasn't about to be rude and wake her up and I like threw Mm -hmm. up and I cleaned it up with like my hoodie which was gross oh god and I felt and I remember like feeling really bad about being sick and so I did everything I could to clean it up when I was feeling like like I was like forcing myself to like see think and feel clearly which was like very very difficult and took a lot of concentration to do and I just remember at one point in time I was like the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas makes a lot of sense to me now <laughs> like holy oh shit gosh, that sounds horrifying I don't yeah. think I want to understand that movie <laughs> no I was like oh my god I hate this and then I was like I should write something and then I was like no I'm gonna be really uncomfortable with myself when I read it back so I'm not gonna write or draw anything at all like I was like I'm gonna keep myself from doing anything creative because I was like just I wish you would have I I was that scared of I was that scared of what I would produce because I didn't know it was dude I'm so curious it was bizarre (laughs) it was such a bad time and when I finally the next morning when I explained the experience to my friend for the first time in her life she was like you know, I never considered this until now, but maybe some like drugs just aren't for some people. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. I'm one of those people, dude. Like, I can't do oh, this. Like, well, I were a learning experience for her then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, dude. Because she really like, I mean, because I was kind of like, I'm curious. And she was like, do it, do it, do it, do it. And I was like, okay, just this once, but like, help me out. And then she like did not help me out. It was real bad. And the poor boy I was with, because of course I did this on a date because I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh boy I had invited this guy I was seeing over and like because I was a crazy college girl I was like you want to just do LSD did he, he do it with you yes oh my gosh and he also had a really bad trip 
Oh my god, I really want to hear his story now. And we were both just <laughs> we were both just huddled there like when will this be over? Oh boy. It was so bad. Did you take like a full dose of it or was it yeah. a smaller dose? It was a full dose. I think it was more oh, than man. a full dose. It was definitely too much. Like it was definitely right. too much. Like it was a bad, 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 bad time. Mm-hmm. But I definitely learned uh never again. <laughs> Not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a solid stopping point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what what you got? What you got for us? Um, so I have a couple anonymous stories, um, just from some people I know. Obviously gonna not share who they were, but Right, right. Um I just got a couple stories from there them that I wanted to share. So this first one, so in a nutshell. What they say about acid is true. Don't take a full dose your first time, just like you learned. (laughs) And don't stare into someone you love's face. Oh, God. Yeah, no, don't look at anyone's face. They look so weird. Yeah, especially someone you love, apparently. Um, Uh, Because it distorts their face and might make you feel uncomfortable with them later. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I actually heard another story. This one's a lot shorter, but um, while they were tripping, they looked at their friend and saw Satan. Yeah. Every time they looked at them, they saw Satan. And so they have not talked to that person since then. Don't look in the mirror either. Oh, God. I I can't even imagine. I glanced it's crazy. In- I've never heard really good things about it. I've heard a couple people, like people who do this thing, microdosing, where it's like they put a small amount into like their bathtub, hang out in the bathtub and absorb it that way. Oh. Um, and then they just do it. A little bit at a time every day. I've never heard of that. Yeah. um, It's something that I heard about like a few months ago, but it's supposed to be like kind of an enlightening experience and kind of opens up your mind a little more is what I hear. But I've just, I don't know. There's something about it that just terrifies me. It's probably stories like this one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, dude. But yeah, I glanced in the mirror once and was like, nope, it was me. Like, it's not like I saw something, but it was more of like, a, I just didn't like the way that I looked, if that made sense. Like, it's it's like when you're really drunk at the bar and you like, you're feeling like you're hot shit and then you look in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, I'm an old hag. <laughs> I'm a bog witch. I was once a great beauty. <laughs> Never look, the the, never look in the mirror when you're party. super drunk. It's like not a good time unless you're that confident or your makeup stayed on that good. Yeah. <laughs> but usually right. you sweat it off and have rubbed it off at that point. Mine is usually the next morning. I remember after uh, Sammy and Matt's uh, engagement party, I went home with Crystal and we woke up the next morning. We're like, oh, God, we are witches. <laughs> like we look horrifying. <laughs> Oh, we were just a mess. Uh, Don't take a full dose your first time and don't stare into the uh, face of someone you love. I was newly 18. I was told to only take a half dose, but I said, fuck that shit. I do what I want and took a full dose. Uh, For some stupid reason, uh, my boyfriend at the time and I had bought a new sex toy that day and brought the bag with us to his sister's house where we were doing this trip. This night entailed people finding that vibrator, turning it on. It vibrating under the fridge and getting stuck, me crying from embarrassment, breaking up with my boyfriend, and making up about a dozen times, and ended with me thinking I was swimming in the ocean while taking a shower. (laughs) 
which is probably the funniest and most fucked up part of the story. The shower curtain was ocean themed. So when I closed it, I thought a shark was coming after me and tried to swim away and broke the fucking tiles in the shower. Holy shit, that's aggressive. <laughs> yeah. That's Dude, like- I did the same thing, though. <laughs> if I thought a shark was coming at me when I was in the shower, I'd probably break everything in there. Oh, my God. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> the shower curtain was ocean themed. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! That's so good. <laughs> yeah, like looking back on it, it's probably—it's got to be like the funniest thing. Oh, it's so funny. But yeah, no, the idea of like tripping with someone you really care about just sounds like a really bad idea. Like you yeah. think it's a good idea beforehand, but after my experience, it's a terrible idea. I guess and not to it- mention having a sex toy, everybody finding it and playing with it, and then it getting stuck under the fridge, dealing with all of that while you're tripping out. Like that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, that's pretty funny though. Uh, all right, so the second one is... Um, Again, with the same boyfriend, he knew a guy in in the city that made mushrooms into chocolates. We drove up there. It was sketchy as hell. We were supposed to just pick it up and go back to his sister's, but he decided he wanted to stay. And so we took it while we were there. It set in super fast. And every time I closed my eyes, I thought I was in a haunted house. I freaked out, ran outside, went to the pier. Uh, We were looking out at the Dames Point Bridge. Uh, the visuals were amazing, and I fu- I suddenly felt like my leg was wet. I put my, ha- my hand down there, and it was covered in blood. She says it probably wasn't, looking back on it, it probably wasn't as bad as she thought it was, uh, but at the time, she thought she'd been stabbed. So I start freaking out and screaming that I'm bleeding, and it's a lot of blood. Come to find out, <laughs> I started my period. So yeah, I legit thought someone stabbed me and then embarrassed the literal fuck out of myself. <laughs> amazing are are all of your stories like acid related for the most part um i have like a few where they're good stories but it's not much uh there is one person who they were tripping out and started freaking out and things started moving and it was their first time and so they decided to calm themselves down they would put on a nine inch nails album that calms uh, them down <laughs> no, it oh, did not. I'm <laughs> yeah. There was like this one song that had a riff in it that just fucked him up and he could not listen to it anymore after that. Like he finally can now. Uh just couldn't for oh, I oh, think years. I, I couldn't watch Rick and Morty for years because my friend had put it on and fell asleep when I was tripping. Oh boy. I could not watch Rick and Morty. Like it fucked me up. It was real bad. I bet. It made me so uncomfortable. Like I was you, I was uncomfortable for like way too long. Well the first time it kind of reminds me of the first time I got high. When I got stoned for the first time, it was just weed. It wasn't you know, anything yeah. crazy. My boyfriend at the time put on Wonder Shows in. Do you know what that show is? No. It's probably the worst thing you could possibly watch when you're high. It's, I'm going to have to show it to you at some point, but you remember like old school kid shows. Like I'm talking Sesame Street with puppets and little cartoons and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it was on Adult Swim and only came on at like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. Oh. or something. It was styled like a kid's show, except it was super fucked up. 
So like the cartoons were of people getting murdered, but like kids going along with it. And then like, it was a puppet that was, it was like a real life puppet who would just walk around the city streets and ask people like really offensive questions to get a rise out of them. Or they'd like call out racists or something to get TV and like the the puppet would a lot of the time get punched or the camera person would get knocked out. It was just this wild ass show. And it was the first thing I saw when I got stoned. And that was it just blew my mind. It was awful. <laughs> my the first story, like it's not the first story of me ever getting stoned, but the story of me smoking weed for the first time was actually pretty wild now that I remember it. Uh, I'll tell that when it's my turn because I feel like you have more stories written down, right? No, I'm I'm gonna skip those stories. I have like a a history of MDMA. Oh, you have a history of MDMA. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. We could hear about that unless we want to just do stories and then that. Because what I had was I just had like personal stories and anonymous stories of people I know, <laughs> and then um story track for right now i was just saying let's stay with the stories and then we can go to the other stuff later yeah fuck it why not i'm having fun i don't give a shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh i was definitely like not the best teenager i'm sure we all know this if you've listened to all of our episodes by now you can collect this weird catalog of the weird shit katie did in high school (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is all not great stuff I I have passed that point and I'm fine now I promise but yeah you've um, evolved I've evolved the first time I ever smoked the ganja was <laughs> as a teenage girl um I was 15 I think and I had these friends sleep over at my house and um, there are these three girls I grew up with in my neighborhood, and we had, I don't know, we just had this tradition where every, like, week of Christmas or around Christmas time, we would, like, have a sleepover at my house. I don't know. And, like, exchange gifts and stuff. Well, one of my friends was having a not-good-time TM, like, real bad time. Some horrible, horrible personal shit happened to her that I will not talk to you guys about because it's just, just know it's really bad, and, like, it was rough. So she developed a drinking problem very early on in high school. Oh, man. But me being 15, like, I don't recognize what a drinking problem is. I don't know how to help people. I don't know what to do. All I know is that my friend is crying and in distress and really wants alcohol. That's all I know. So obviously I can only, like, take so much from my parents' ancient liquor collection that they don't touch before it looks like anything's been taken, really. And so I had to call... The bad kid of the neighborhood, (laughs) who I knew definitely had access to stupid amounts of alcohol because his parents didn't watch him ever. And he used to just openly just throw fucking parties in the neighborhood. It was really bizarre how much, like, no one cared, but everyone recognized. Like, he just got away with it. Yeah, everyone just recognized this kid as the bad kid, and then, like, that's it. Anyways, so I was like, she was freaking out. I didn't know what to do to help her, and I was like, okay, I, I don't know, I just want to make you feel better so I'll just get alcohol from this dude and we'll make you feel better I don't know I'm 15 and I'm stupid I don't know you're just trying to help at this point I didn't even drink alcohol at the time I was like I'm just trying to help you we call we call him and I'm like hey I'll I'll rename these people just to help it easier I'll name him Todd he'll be Todd and she'll be Hillary Todd and Hillary all right Todd and Hillary Hillary's freaking out Todd is bad kid of the neighborhood and so I called Todd. I'm like, hey, Todd, Hillary's really, like, upset. She really, really wants, like, 
any alcohol? Like, can you help us out? Like, I can, like, meet you somewhere. We all live in the same neighborhood, so it's, like, walking distance. Like, no big deal. And my parents had already gone to bed, and I knew that they weren't going to notice if I left. Because I used to sneak out of the house because I was such a model citizen. Because <laughs> I was not monitored as a teen. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, yeah, I have some Everclear that I can bring her, but I'll only go if you smoke with me. Like, me specifically, not her. And I was like, what? And he was just trying to flirt and, like, hit on me because apparently he had a crush on me. And I was like, whatever, dude. Like, I, sure, fuck it. Why not? And so we, like, go to, like, the neighborhood, like, playground tennis area thing because it's super dark and all the lights are off so no one can see you over there. We walk there and meet up and smoke for the first time. Nothing happened. I felt totally fine. Not once did I actually feel high or whatever, which apparently is really normal for the first time. Yeah. Which I find interesting. I wonder why that is, but whatever. Don't know the science behind it. The whole time he's, like, trying to flirt with me and saying dumb shit and whatever and, like, picking on me and stuff. And before we realize it, we look over and Hillary has just downed an entire water bottle of Everclear and is drunk off her fucking ass. And we were like, oh, my God, we did not expect her to do that. And then I discover this horrifying fact that when she's drunk, she'll do anything you say. And I'm like, oh my god. Todd thought it was funny and he would be like, hey Hillary, go jump in the pool. And she'd start running to the pool and I'd be like, Hillary, stop. And then she'd just stop. It was like really creepy and really weird. And I was like, okay, I need to get her back to my house and we gotta go. <laughs> not a good spot to be. Not a good spot to be in. And me not knowing if I'm high, like I have no idea. I just did drugs for the first time. Oh my god, I'm a bad kid, TM. And um, <laughs> as we're walking back, I have this blanket over Hillary because she's wearing, like, Sophie shorts and a t-shirt. Like, we're in, like, pajamas, essentially. And it's, like, 30, 40 degrees outside because it's December. And so he goes home. We go our separate ways. And as we're walking, I'm like, okay, Hillary, like, if I say anything and I tell you to do something, you do it, okay? And she was like, yes, of course. I trust you. And I was like, okay. So as we're walking, this man with a flashlight comes out of nowhere and starts following us. And it's like 3 a.m. There's no one around. And I'm like, holy shit. And I just get this overwhelming, really, really bad instinctual feeling. As he starts getting like a little closer, I just say, Hillary, run. And we just book it. And she loses a shoe. She drops her cell phone, which luckily was a Nokia flip phone. (laughs) Oh, shit. And, like, we turn the corner back to my house. I realize uh, the stairs, the stairs to go up to, there's a lot of stairs to get up to my kitchen door. Mm -hmm. And so I knew we wouldn't be able to get up in time without being seen. So I ran underneath my porch. I grabbed her blanket and I just threw it over both of us. And I was like, be as still as possible and don't make a sound. And we just hear this guy turn the corner stop by my house and we see the flashlight shine like right over us and then they walk away and left what the hell and and also when we ran uh the man yelled hey stop i forgot that like he yelled at us to stop and like started running after us sir you get no say in this yeah creepy man with the flashlight out at 3 a.m you get no say Yeah, it was super fucking scary. So then once I realized the coast was clear, I was like, okay, run inside. And so we ran inside and I just like 
super freaked out. I like didn't know what to do. My other two friends just stayed at my house watching movies in the living room. <laughs> and we're like, we're not part of this. Oh my gosh. Wait, so you went over to this person's house. No, it's my house. Got drunk. It's my and house. left your two friends behind to do this. It was my house. Okay. My friends came over. It was four right. four of us total. One of Hillary was freaking out about this horrible thing that happened to her and how she really needed alcohol. So we as a group agreed what we would do. And so they were like, We'll stay here, you guys go, and then like we'll be here when you come back. So they had a wonderful time watching movies. Meanwhile, you guys almost got murdered. <laughs> I don't know how much time passed, but I remember, like, going into my kitchen, looking out the window, um, and, like, I just remember seeing a cop car routinely going up and down my street. So I don't think the dude was actually going to murder us like I initially thought. I think he just saw, like, kids out in the neighborhood and wanted to get us arrested or in trouble or something. I mean, better safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry. When a man with a flashlight comes at you, you fucking run, especially when you're a yeah, 15... Yeah. Especially yeah. when you're a 15-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Like, I'll give a shit. You know, 15-year-old girl, and there's a weird man outside in a flat with a flashlight at 3 a.m. I'm sorry. I don't think there's an excusable reason for that unless you're a police officer. No, it was – And nor- even then, what are you doing? It was a normal-ass dude because I remember, like, seeing the light and being like, what? And turning around and just seeing him. And I was like, what the fuck? Scared the shit out of me. So the next morning, we went back and we found her shoe, which was a slipper. We found her shoe and her cell phone. <laughs> Because there's a Nokia flip phone, so those things are indestructible. <laughs> and it was fine. Like, old phones are fucking indestructible, man. Like, I had this one phone that, like, fell out of my pocket when I, like, was skateboarding. I didn't realize it was gone until two days later because I wasn't used to having a cell phone. I wasn't attached to it like I am now because phones were a new concept for me. I found it, and the screen technically worked, but it had been run over by a car, and it rained really hard both those nights. But yeah, so that's my uh, smoked weed for the first time story. And then I remember the first time I got super high. But it's really bad too. Oh no. <laughs> that's when I was 17 and was like, okay, I'm more comfortable with this. Because every kid at my school smoked weed. Like, like more kids smoked weed than smoked cigarettes. Like, it was just a normal thing. Yeah, I mean, it was super normal when we were in high school. And I was with this, like, boy who I was, either I liked him or I was dating him at the time or something, and I wanted to be super impressive with my weed skills or whatever, which I had none. Oh, no. (laughs) So in my mind, so I didn't fully know how a bong worked. In my mind, you breathe it in, and then it goes in your lungs. I didn't know you had to take that little thingy out. (laughs) The little the little thingy that has the stuff in it out. Oh, oh, the, the, what is it called? The carb? I don't fucking know. I'm a 17-year-old idiot, and I'm just sitting there being like, okay, I'm just going to take, like, a big hit. And my, my, whole, my whole thing that was supposed to be impressive was I was going to try to, like, ghost it, which is when you hold it in your lungs for, for, for a really long time, and when you breathe back out, it's, like, clear. It doesn't, you don't see the smoke. So I, like breathed it as much as I could except nothing was getting in my lungs and I couldn't figure out why nothing was entering my lungs at all right because I didn't know to take out the little thing to have the oxygen flow through so it was just all collecting inside of this thing 
until this the guy I liked or boyfriend or whatever walked over and goes, oh, you forgot to and just pulls it and I just suck all of it in. <laughs> Oh, no. And then I'm like, wait, but I have to be impressive. So I hold it for as long as I possibly fucking can to ghost it or whatever. Oh, my God. And as someone who was very much not used to smoking at all, I coughed a lot. Well, I have never coughed more in my life. Right, well, you hadn't smoked that much before that, right? Right, right. So it was like you just burned all the little hairs in your lungs at once. (laughs) It's yeah. like a fucking forest fire in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did it, and I breathed it out, and then he looked at the little bowl thing, and it was empty. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I had burned the whole thing, and he had just packed it. I smoked an entire bowl in one hit and held it for as long as I could. <laughs> I coughed for what felt like 12 hours. Like, I, I was on the ground immediately and crying, tears streaming down my face, just coughing, me losing my absolute shit, nothing could save me, so much water, so much water, and then when the coughing finally stopped is when I looked up and was like, oh no, where am I? (laughs) I just, I looked up. What is this cruel new world? (laughs) Like, the way this guy's room was set up, because it was, I was with him and like his friends, his room was the basement of the house, and we were like on this patio, the door, the double doors were open, so it was like his bedroom, so there's like a bed in like the far left corner, and I just remember being like, I wanted to lay down on it, because I was so like tired all of a sudden, and I just looked at it, and I just remember like, movie style, it went like, where it like, got super small and far away, got further away, and I was like, no, and I apparently just like looked at him and went, it's so far, it's so far, and he was like, what, and I'm like, the bed, it's so far away, how am I supposed to get there, and he's like, I I don't know, like, what, are you okay, and I was like, no, I am not okay, those walls were not pink, (laughs) I thought I was dying, I kept thinking that if I didn't focus on my breathing, I would forget to breathe, and that my heart would stop, because I could hear my heart beating, and I was like, I'm going to die, that kind of paranoia that can sometimes come with smoking is the absolute worst. I was like, I'm going to die. And I kept obsessively checking the clock being like, oh my God, oh my God, my mom's going to call. Oh my God, like, I don't know what to do. Oh my God. <laughs> it was a oh bad, God, yeah. bad, bad time. Bad time. Don't, don't try to impress boys <laughs> when smoking weed. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do not do it. This, this actually reminds me of a time that I pota- almost maybe died. Um, I forgot about this. Okay, so I was in college. Again, this is like when I had just gotten there and I didn't know anybody on campus who sold anything or how to even talk to people to find out where anything was. I mean, it was a fucking college campus. It was everywhere, but I had just zero connections. Anyway, there was a person who told me about synthetic weed. Um, pep spice. <gasps> you told this story, I, f- I think. Did you tell it on the podcast or just tell it to me? I don't – I think I just told it to you. I don't think I've told it on the podcast because I I did not think about it until now. But yeah, so I assumed that pep – they were just like, oh, yeah, it's just like a legal version. And I was like, oh, pep, cool. Pep I'm gonna spice. I'm going to do literally zero research on this. Um, I'm just going to buy it at a smoke shop and roll it into a blunt, like a full size, the whole packet – into a blunt. I'm walking around campus with this guy who is from Jacksonville, 
and smoked a lot. So we're walking around and smoking. And I remember feeling like the streetlights looked like Christmas lights. Like they were a lot brighter than I remembered. Um, and then there was like, I don't know if I ever took you to my campus, but you did. Trees surround the student union and you have to walk on these little wooden bridges to get to it. So we walk up to this wooden bridge, which is maybe a quarter of a mile away from my dorm. We walk all the way there the whole time I'm smoking. And we're by the point that we reach this bridge, we're like probably halfway through it, right? And the guy I'm with is just like, yo, I'm not smoking anymore of that. Like, I feel really weird. It's not good. I don't want to do this. So I was just like, oh, you're you're a big old weenie. <laughs> like, you're, you're just you're just fucking lame puss and so fucking puss yeah literally i'm pretty sure that's exactly what i said to him i just called him a a fucking wimp and then then i proceeded to smoke the rest of this blunt of pep spice by myself i do not remember the walk back to my dorm from this bridge i remember feeling weird i remember my roommate suddenly being there (laughs) with with this guy and I'm just like, what's going on? And then they're just like, oh, my God, we have to take you in through the back. You do not look okay. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're just like, all right, we can't let the RACU. We have to go around back. So they, like, fucking sneak me in. I'm pretty sure Chris, like, was piggyback carrying me into this elevator. And we go up to my dorm room. They walk in with me. And they put me on the bed. My roommate is freaking out. And she's like, oh, my God, she is pure white. She is sheet white. Like, they thought I was dying. and had no idea what to do because Chris is just like, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. We'll get in trouble. She'll get in trouble and all this stuff. You did legal weed, though. It was legal. It was literally pet spice. (laughs) Yeah, but I I almost killed myself on it. And we were, I mean, we were not thinking straight. And this boy was not smart. He is not (laughs) <laughs> he was not like top of his class of anything and this poor little girl is she had no idea what to do she's just watching me in panic and i just say put on the duchess <laughs> which is my favorite movie at the time and so they put on the duchess and then i remember loving it <laughs> so much and just like slowly this big old smile comes onto my face and i'm like this is such a good movie and then i passed out <laughs> So the, <laughs> that was my experience with Pep Spies. That's funny. The only movie I remember ever watching high was Zombieland. And it was a pretty good time. Oh, yeah. That sounds amazing. Dude, one of the, one of the best times I had when I got high was I was staying with my ex at the time. And I got super stoned while he was at work. And I was the only one in the house. I got super stoned. And then Terminator, the first Terminator, comes on AMC. And I had never seen it before. So I'm super stoned watching Terminator for the first time. And I went, it was the best movie of my <laughs> life. I was like crying at certain parts. Oh my God. <laughs> I, and then Jurassic Park came on right after. And I remember I cried about that. I was like, this is the best day. <laughs> <laughs> and then I cried one more time when like, the fucking banner fell at the end of Jurassic Park and the ter- and the Tyrannosaurus Rex. So I like, <laughs> and I was just tears. Just like, it's such a good movie. Oh man, when when uh, Brendan and I when we went to LA and it was legal and we were just and I was just like we ha- well we have to do it like it's legal here we we have to. So I got us edibles. Um, we got a cookie and then we split it and we're just like walking around. It was like one of our couple free days that we had there 
and we go to the Santa Monica Pier and got scooters and took the electric scooters to Santa Monica. And so this whole time, don't feel anything. We go to this bar, we get a couple of drinks, we walk out onto the pier, and then I get to the edge of the pier and I'm looking out and these there's just sailboats everywhere. And I was like, oh my God, we're we're at the edge of the world right now. <laughs> like it looks like the world just ends past the ocean. Oh my God. <laughs> at the time it made so much sense to me. It made so much sense. And Brendan just looks at me like, uh <laughs> what i'm like no you don't get it the water isn't like this on the east coast this is crazy (laughs) there's no horizon on the east coast i'm just like no you don't understand like there it looks like there's nothing past that and i'm just it's this whole revelation for me like i'm i'm thinking i'm having this like major breakthrough And then we're walking back from the pier and I like catch myself saying certain things and I just look at him. I'm like, oh my God, I think I'm high. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, you think? But it hadn't set in for him yet. So we're walking down Santa Monica Boulevard (laughs) and there's like this little outdoor mall that has a Lush. And I'm like, have you ever been inside a Lush before? (laughs) So have you ever been inside a Lush before? He's like, no. (laughs) Sorry, <laughs> it's going to take me a minute. So we go inside Lush, and you know how you're supposed to, like, try things in the store? There's, like, a scrub that I put on his <laughs> And then I walk over, and I pick up this thing, and I'm just kind of, like, twirling it and putting it underwater, and nothing's really happening. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out what the hell it is. And then I look up, and there's people, like, buying the product from where I just took it and I realized what I held in my hand was not a tester it was a product I'm just sitting there using and I'm not being able to figure it out and I turned to Brendan to be like oh no we have to leave and he just looks at me and holds up his hands that are still covered in the scrub and he's just like up once we got out of there that, i miss california <laughs> that sounds that sounds great my only other thing i can remember involving smoking in california was when we used those motorized scooters and i was so convinced i was gonna die and i was so scared and then i ended up being fine but the next day when i was completely sober and totally fine i broke my front teeth oh yeah on a motorized scooter when that I was completely was sober, I broke my teeth. But no, when I was like drunk and high on these fucking motorized scooters, like you I. You were just fine. I was paranoid as shit and terrified, but I was fine. Yeah. Those things are kind of scary. And after that fucking experience, we were just sitting on the fucking sidewalk drinking fireball and hoping that celebrities will come by because we're like convinced that it could happen <laughs> at the bottom of the fucking observatory hill whatever you want to call it i mean it can happen i did walk by jack nicholson did you really yeah not last year but when i was 14 um we were visiting the hollywood walk of fame and he just fucking walks out of the chinese theater 
and takes a left. And I was like, that man looks exactly like Jack Nicholson. What the fuck? And then sure enough, it was. He was giving a speech for someone's Hollywood star of fame. And I was like, oh, it is Jack Nicholson. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. It was, so it can, it can happen. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to hear about your, your research. <laughs> I mean, we've been going on for a while. Uh, we but have. I'll I'll try to try to squeeze it in there. I'm just curious. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep it really short and sweet. Because so, that's ecstasy, right? MDMA. Okay, is there a difference between MDMA, uh, ecstasy, and Molly? Because I do not yes. know any of that shit. I'm like, uh, I don't. Do yeah, dr- no, I don't ecstasy. do drugs. <laughs> so MDMA is like the purest form of it of this therapeutic. It really started off as, like, a therapeutic tool, like, in the 70s, because it really opened people up. They were more willing to communicate. It lowered your inhibitions and your emotional responses, so you were able to talk about traumatizing thing without worrying about being judged or without it, like, affecting you to where you couldn't talk about it. It was referred to as Adam when they first started using it because they felt it returned patients to a more innocent state. Yeah, it was in it was in Germany originally in um in 1912. Um and then during the Cold War, of course the CIA decided they're going to try and use it as a psychological weapon instead of a therapeutic tool because of course America. Um yeah, because America. And so the CIA starts messing with it. Um there's a guy who was in America and was using it and trying to like really hone in on it. Um, in the late seventies, early eighties, I want to say really, he wasn't trying to like, like people referred to him as a hippie, but he wasn't trying to just get high and trip out and free love and all that stuff. He was really trying to figure out how, um, how these drugs could be used to benefit people and to help in therapeutic ways. But he later on went on to be arrested because of the war on drugs in 1985, um, because the United States outlawed mdma or mdma and then it starts getting mixed with stuff it's considered a controlled substance like marijuana lsd and heroin they thought it had a high potential for abuse and no real medicinal value um but really that's just because we didn't have the science yet to determine that um there are clinics and facilities that do still practice that kind of therapy I think they're kind of hard to find and it's more of like a referral basis thing, but it's really been used a lot in cases for PTSD. Um, There's a man who had seen horrific things in his tour in Iraq and he saw his friends die and he was so depressed. He came back, he got into therapy, um, he became an alcoholic, he tried to kill himself twice um, he went to a hospital, didn't feel like he got better. They released him and he's still feeling horrible about himself. And finally, he's at this new doctor and this doctor is just like, okay, just keep this on the hush hush and like kind of slips him in this card and is like, contact these people and they'll be able to help you out. Um, and so he takes this controlled substance of MDMA, MDMA, am I saying that right? Anyway. MDMA, um, yeah. He's under like controlled circumstances. So there's like a nurse in there who administers it and he's in there with a doctor and they're just having a conversation about what happened in Iraq. And so he's able to talk about these traumatic events without getting too emotional and without having to leave things out. He's just giving this unadulterated version and he's finally able to get it off his chest. Um, And he said he went, I think, to like three to five sessions 
and he his depression was gone. It was like a complete 180 for him. He said it completely changed his life and saved him because it was this kind of therapy that nothing else could give him. So it actually is really beneficial. It's just when you get to ecstasy and Molly. So Molly, a lot of people think that Molly is the pure form, but really it is often mixed with other harmful substances, including methamphetamine or bath salts. And even pure MDMA can have side effects um, like increased heart rate, blurred vision, nausea, faintness, chills, and muscle muscle tension. Obviously not. (laughs) If you're not having it under control in like a controlled environment, there's a possibility of it backfiring super hard. Ecstasy and Molly have properties similar to both a stimulant and a hallucinogen. It takes about 15 minutes for ecstasy to enter the bloodstream and to reach the brain. Ecstasy's effects typically last three to six hours. They experience a sense of euphoria and a surge in energy or activity level. The drug also triggers hormones in the brain that can increase feelings of sexual arousal, trust, emotional closeness, and empathy with other ecstasy users. So basically everything I experienced at that party aside from the sexual part is what happened to me. (laughs) But not all the effects are positive. Ecstasy can cause spikes in heart rate and blood pressure, which can be dangerous for people with heart or blood vessel problems. Um, ecstasy also raises core body bo- body temperature, uh, which can also interfere with the user's ability to tell that they're becoming overheated. So in a hot environment, you're not able to tell if you're actually hot or not. And this can lead to um, deaths by being overheated, especially in nightclubs or outdoor music venues. And even at normal temperatures, ecstasy can help kill by overheating the body because you just can't tell that you're getting really hot. Ecstasy has long been associated with rave culture and EDM events. Yep. yep. Raves are, yeah. So raves are all night dance parties, which we know about, <laughs> that often take place at, a, at like underground venues. They can be characterized by drug use, loud music, and psychedelic atmosphere. Uh, and they first appeared in the United States and Europe in the 1980s. We know most of this. Um, but that's right around the time that ecstasy was becoming popular as a street drug, which is probably why they go hand in hand. Rave culture and electronic dance music culture often characterized by a sense of harmony and acceptance. For many, there's a spiritual aspect to it. Users take ecstasy and other drugs to enhance sensory perception and create feelings of euphoria. Um, But since the mid-2000s, there have been several ecstasy-related deaths at high-profile electronic dance music festivals, including Electric Daisy Carnival and Electric Zoo. Many of these deaths have been attributed to the overheating. EDC, it's rough because there's so many people. I've never been. I have friends who've been. I made plans to go, never went. It's very expensive. I chose to go to Dragon Con instead because it was like it was a financial thing where I like had to pick one. Yeah, so if you want to be in an area there that has any sort of AC fans cooling anything, you had to pay for like the VIP package. That's crazy. Because it's so, so many people, it's in Las Vegas during the summer, and it's hot as shit, and everyone is like, oh my god, and it's, it's crazy. So I've just heard, I've heard the number one thing about EDC is that, like, it is hot as balls, and you will be hot as balls. And if you're taking ecstasy, you might die. You, yeah, you might die. Yeah. So, um, I used to go to raves a lot in early college, Probably why I tried, because uh, ex- ecstasy is a pill form. Yeah. Yeah, it often comes in pill form. It could have been Molly. could have been. I mean, I, it, it was definitely cut with an amphetamine, like for sure, because I felt like mm-hmm. I was on Adderall. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I, all I know is that it's a stimulant 
that makes me feel boring. Mm-hmm. So I'm not having a good time. This whole like little story you just told me reminded me of a really dumb decision one of my ex-boyfriends made. Uh, there's this place I used to go to that was ridiculous. It's been shut down ever since, but it was called The Quad. <laughs> and they very much did not ID people for alcohol or anything. They used to do this very illegal happy hour where from 7 to 9, uh, the alcohol was just free. They just give you drinks not charge you anything. They were just, they were trying to get people as wasted as possible. And then at nine is when all the dance floors and like stages opened up. So you would already be drunk going into the place to then buy more drinks and stuff from them. And oh there were, and there was th- <laughs> and there's three different stages. There's like a main one, an outdoor patio one, and then a downstairs one that was like more chill that had couches and shit. Like I said, I don't I did not do drugs. I only did Ellie did underage drinking because I guess that's better I don't know don't do drugs (laughs) also side note growing up with the whole don't do drug campaigns like say no to drugs because the picture was of a cigarette until I was 12 I thought drugs were just cigarettes I didn't know no one ever explained the war on drugs thing was really poorly executed and not well done no one explained to me what drugs were they were like just don't do them and i'm like just don't do it don't look at them don't touch them don't don't even think about it and i was like don't do cigarettes got it because all of the pictures are of cigarettes and it's all tobacco like say no to tobacco so in my mind like there was one existing drug ever and it was cigarettes (laughs) uh yeah so that was a thing (laughs) anyway (laughs) They still just don't know what the fuck they're doing. Oh, and it was the dumbest thing ever. But whatever. That's a that's a political conversation for another time. Yeah, anyway, so I like went to the bathroom or something. And when I came back out, I had lost my boyfriend. And my boyfriend was not really into rave culture or people or leaving the house. Uh-huh. <laughs> he only went... It's really just everything he hates in one spot. It's not that he hated it. It just made him uncomfortable. He wasn't... He, he wasn't the kind of person who could easily let loose he was very tightly wound and he was only there because I wanted to be there and Mm -hmm. uh we had like his sister was there and we had mutual friends like it was a group of people it wasn't just me and him and so I come back out and he's nowhere to be found and I'm like where the fuck did he go and I'm like looking around and I finally go outside and I just see him sitting right in front of a giant speaker blaring into him and he just has this like thousand yard stare thing going on and I'm like are you okay and he's just like yeah I I just took some sort of drug I was like why why did you take like what you someone just walked up to you and gave you a drug and you took it and he was like yeah and I was like why did you do that why would you ever do that thing to do and he was like well this he was like well when you left you know this girl came up to me and said that I looked like I wasn't having a good time, and I told her that I wasn't, so she told me if I took this, it would make me have a good time, so I decided to say fuck it and took it, and I was like, Jesus Christ, why are you like this? In his defense, he did have a good time after that. Well, good. (laughs) But at the same time, do not take free drugs from strangers yeah. what is Doesn't wrong like with a you good idea. it's because he was a boy and it was a girl and boys are yeah. stupid and do shit like that they're just like okay i was like obviously she's a drug dealer and was hoping you'd come back to her to buy more of whatever it is she could have given you anything what the fuck just because a you young roofie <laughs> just because a young cute girl hands you a drug does not mean it is safe 
Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong? I just remember being like, I can't take you anywhere. Like, we're not doing this again. <laughs> yeah, we are never coming to any place that might potentially give you drugs because you could die. <laughs> I obviously can't trust you. Like, what if I, I was gone for five minutes? <laughs> I literally can't leave you alone. <laughs> what oh the God. fuck? <laughs> oh my god i was gone for five minutes <laughs> oh my god. yeah that was um wild <laughs> yeah that is not the smartest thing but at least you made it out okay and had a good time i was like you're older than me you should know better like what is this <laughs> mm-hmm. uh the stuff i was going to talk about was just like fucked up shit that happened at woodstock because there has been multiple people that have come forward who were there at Woodstock who have been like, it's not as it was advertised. Yeah. Like, it's it wasn't this big whole free love situation. That's what everyone said it was, but a lot of people had, like, the worst times of their fucking lives. Like, two, there wasn't really much food because yeah. uh, because of the massive size of the place, the main vendors decided they didn't want to do it. So the only vendors were there were, like, these dudes that had these little stands, and they just had, like, hot dogs and shit, and they ran out of them, like, very quickly. People got, like, impatient and, like, burned two of them down (laughs) to the ground. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And then there also was the issue of involuntary tripping. So, so people who are all like, everyone should be high, free love, yeah, like everyone, like my old roommate who was like, everyone should try acid, it's freeing, everyone will have a great time. Like, they, these people thought it would be like a nice thing to like, put LSD. Share the love or whatever. They put it in the water, they would put it in food, they would put it in stuff and just give it to people who were dehydrated and needed water or like needed food. For the people who were not looking to be tripping, it was probably, like, the worst fucking experience. Yeah, probably horrific. And, like, they did have some little, like, tiny shitty tents that some people set aside for people who were having bad trips, but, like, that whole environment just sounds awful for a bad trip. Yeah. Also, there's this theory about, like, people being so high from taking LSD that they would stare at the sun until they went completely blind. Oh, I did hear about that. Well, okay, so Snopes says that it's not true. Okay. But there was a nurse and a couple other people who were at Woodstock who reported that burned eyeballs were actually a thing that did happen at the festival and that it appeared to have resulted from kids on LSD who would just lie down on their backs and just stare. Unfortunately, like, people can't super confirm, so it's, like, their word against I mean, there had to be, like, a couple cases of that. I would not be surprised. I mean, I doubt they were just, like sitting there staring at the sun, but they probably were at least, like, staring off into oblivion and didn't realize, you know, what they were doing. There's theory that she's part of, like, this hoax against hallucinogenic drugs and stuff. Like, like, saying this is something to encourage people to not do LSD. The original stories about burned eyeballs appeared a couple years before Woodstock and were debunked in a book called The Pleasure Seekers which was published just after a festival. So apparently the burned eyeballs thing on LSD was something that had been reported to happen at other festivals prior to. But it does seem kind of weird and random that like a nurse would just like make up a similar story. So, uh, and the nurse did also say that there were five or six, there's five, six or seven patients like at a time who had this issue. So apparently it was evident enough of a problem that there was a whole medical area devoted to treating burned eyeballs. Jeez. 
Um, but no one said whether the damage was actually permanent or not. That's the thing. There's a bunch of other stuff that was really shitty that was not drug-related. Um, just the fact that, like, there was a ton of, uh, a shit ton of people in very few bathrooms. Literally one toilet for every 833 people. Yikes. Because there's porta-potties. Yeah, I can honestly say I don't think I'd want to be at Woodstock. (laughs) Yeah, great, great time to be a dude and just pee in the woods, Jesus Christ. And then apparently there's people who died by sewage removal equipment. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely people who died at Woodstock, like 100%. And there's people who gave birth at Woodstock. Oh, God. So it was a lot of a lot of shit that happened. I could go more into it. I was originally planning on it, but now that I'm looking at it, so much of it like isn't drug related. Like apparently, yeah. the Grateful Dead was absolute garbage, and everyone says it was their worst performance ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, they were probably just like partying with everybody else, and we're just too far fucking gone. <laughs> Would be my guess. But yeah, no. So the violence that did happen at Woodstock, because there was violence. You know, like yeah. so, so many times people tried to recreate Woodstock and just like couldn't explain why there was so much violence. Well, it's because Woodstock is not as peaceful as everyone like claimed it to be, which is interesting. It, it makes sense because you have like all these people under stressful conditions with limited food, limited bathrooms, and limited space, and then a ton of drugs like... Of course, that's like a recipe for violence. Right. Apparently, during the Who's performance, a political activist named Abby Hoffman got on a stage and took the microphone and started ranting about brothers and sisters and persecution and blah, 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 or at least that's like what Pete Townshend was thinking because he only tolerated a few seconds of insolence before he hit her in the head with his guitar. (laughs) Apparently, there's multiple versions of what happened. Another version, Abby looked at Pete and then jumped off the stage and walked away. But then in another version, he actually hit them. Oh, Abby Hoffman is apparently a dude. Did not know that. Assumed it was a girl because Abby. He, uh, Townshend, actually hit him hard enough to knock him off the stage. Oh, boy. I mean, to be fair, it's still, like, not as much violence as what happened in Tracy, California. If you remember when they tried to do the Woodstock of the West. Yeah. I do remember that. I guess for the most part, for half a million people, like, that's relatively, that's a lot of less violence. But there also was probably a shit ton that just, like, wasn't reported on or something. I don't know. I know I had stories of people I know that I will keep anonymous. And it it shows an example of how, like, drugs were treated in the judicial system before the war on drugs in the 70s. Um, There's someone I know who was a drug dealer... In the early 70s, like, I want to say, like, 72, 73, they got caught selling and were arrested, but they had a full-time job and went to night school. With all the money they made from selling drugs, as well as their day job, because they worked 9 to 5 and then would take two classes at night, five days a week, and would sell LSD on the weekends. No, it wasn't LSD. They sold PCP. That's what it was. Oh, man. Yeah, they were selling PCP, not LSD. They were really into PCP. That's what it was. They got a really good lawyer with the money they made selling PCP and their day job. So the lawyer literally argued and was like, well, you know, this person's job performance hasn't gone down at all. And they have all A's at school. So it's very clear that 
you know, they're just suffering from an addiction they only have on the weekends. <laughs> and um, I think that they should only be punished for the days in which they are breaking the law, which is Saturday and Sunday. And the court was like, yeah, fuck it, sure. <laughs> this person in the early 70s would go to work and go to school Monday to Friday. After school, on Friday night, they would check themselves into prison, stay there for the weekend, and then Monday morning, they would check them out to go to work and then live free during the week for six months. Crazy. And that also sounds terrible, though. I know, but also, like, his, I mean, better than going to prison for six solid months. Yeah, that's very true. Like they And got, being able to keep your job and stuff. They got to keep their job. And the, here's the crazy part. The reason why they were able to take classes at night is because the job paid for it. It was a program thing they offered for employees. was like, if you work for us full time, we will pay for you to go to college. Paying to go to school wasn't even out of their own pocket. And they still got to keep all of that. Wow. When they were a, an arrested PCP dealer... And so I asked them, I was like, how did the people in prison not beat the ever-living shit out of you because you just got to show up and leave? Like, I would be fucking pissed if someone like that. And so they told me, they said there were two other guys who had the same deal because they came from incredibly wealthy, important families. And so everyone was scared of them because if they hurt them, then it could make their sentence longer because they came from like, like, like scary, like mafia type backgrounds. So he just pretended he also came from a wealthy, important family and just acted like he was, like, super rich and super great and privileged so that people would leave him alone. Even I mean, though that's one way to do it. <laughs> even though he very much was not. And he said that there was this nurse there in the prison who absolutely hated him, and he got strep throat. And when you're in prison, they, like, legally have to treat you if you're sick. And so she refused to treat him because she just didn't like him. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you have to treat him. Like, he has strep throat. Like, we can see it in his throat. Like, he is sick. He is getting other people sick. Mm -hmm. And so she said, oh, well, I guess he needs a shot, which, like, I don't think you take shots for strep throat. I don't know if he did then or now. But anyways, she insisted that he had to have a shot in his butt. Oh. <laughs> so what she did is she swung back and stabbed him as hard as she could with the syringe in his Damn. butt to give him the shot she really did hate him holy she shit she really didn't want to treat him i was like what did you do to her <laughs> what yeah, the really? fuck what the fuck like that would never happen today no thanks to not. reagan's war on drugs yeah drugs was a different world before 1985 like a it was a different, different lifetime world. it was just different a whole other world out there do you, have, do you have any parting stories or words? Don't do drugs, kids, unless it's in a safe environment. And I, I, I can't tell you what to do. <laughs> it could go horribly, horribly wrong. Just remember that. Yeah. Don't do drugs. Stay in school. Only go to college if you can afford it and know exactly what you want to do. Otherwise, I promise you, it's not worth your time. Not worth it. Not worth your time. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> It's a mistake unless you know exactly what you want to do and are positive because we were very misled by the very people who went to Woodstock. <laughs> yep, exactly. They were just like, you can do whatever you want as long as you just have a degree. It doesn't work that way. It's not how that works. And it's a it myth. It's not work that way. And it's a myth. 
When it comes to movie recommendations, um, uh, well, there's a bunch of movies that like don't watch unless you want to be scarred for life, which is like uh, Train Spotting and like Requiem for a Dream and oh like, god, yeah, Train Spotting and Requiem for a Dream. Fuck me up. Yeah, just I never saw Train Train Spotting, but Requiem for a Dream. Girl, girl. Definitely was uh, I'm just gonna ride. give a warning. If any of you have not seen Train Spotting, decide to watch it. There is a dead rotting baby in it. So, oh. uh, trigger fucking warning. And they show Ooh. it. They show it. It's fake, obviously, but, like, it's disgusting and it will never leave your brain, ever. Ever. And what's fucked up is the movie is really funny and fun and lighthearted until that moment. So it just really jerk. It really jerks your reality. It's just a jarring. It's so jarring. Like, this couple, the, the whole movie's about heroin. This couple just forgot they had a baby. Oh, my God. They just forgot. That sounds horrific. Yeah, it's disgusting and awful. There was, like, one other movie that I was about to be, like, do not recommend unless you want to be fucked up. But I can't remember it now. But those two in particular really fucked me up and made me be like, yep, I'm never touching a drug ever. Like, Well, I, this one might seem weird, but I'm going to recommend Horns. Because actually, I got high with one of your old roommates. Oh, gosh. <laughs> back during college. And we did not know each other very well. And so we decided to watch Horns together. And I used their volcano and watched Horns. And it was the best experience ever. And it was a fantastic movie. (laughs) I didn't watch it because I was told there was a rape scene. I don't remember one. Okay, well, maybe I was misled then. Yeah, I don't don't remember. I feel like that's something that would stick with me. And I definitely do not remember that. Okay, well, then maybe I will watch it. I'll, I'll just Google it and be like, is there a rape scene in this movie? Yeah. Kind of like, does the dog die.com? Yeah, <laughs> is there a rape scene.com? Yeah, there really should be. that. Uh, if there isn't a website dedicated to that, but there is one to dogs dying, I'm actually going to be upset. There but should at least be one for, like, all trigger warnings. Like sexual violence, like... The whole the whole, caboodle. the whole thing. Whatever. Uh, Sometimes Mm -hmm. an R rating isn't enough of a trigger warning. (laughs) Yeah, no, that doesn't work. (laughs) Okay, well, anyways, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thanks, everybody. Love you all. See you next week. All right, keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. Music by freestockmusic.com For blog posts showing visuals for each episode, you can find our blog at cotmpodcast.com. If you'd like to help support us and receive discounts and loyalty rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash coronthemacabre. We record every episode live Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash thetigerwizard. If you can't find us on your favorite podcast app or site, please let us know and we'll fix that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates on episodes, blog posts, and special events. And don't forget... 